We all pot down here. would not approve. The master would not approve. Welcome to We All Pod Down Here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. And this week we are going to be talking about Manos, The Hands of Fate. (laughs) And if you don't know this movie, then... You should. Yes, this this is a classic. In, In a lot of ways. Yes. Not in the same way, like... The Raven is a classic Vincent Price movie. Yeah, or Night of the Living Dead is uh, the, the penultimate zombie flick. Manos is, it just is. So we're going to be talking about Manos, The Hands of Fate, from 1966. Now, we have a very, very special show today. We were honored to be able to interview the one, the only, Mr. Frank Conniff. A.K.A. TV's Frank. Yes, so if you... Somehow have not watched Mystery Science Theater 3000. Please stop what you're doing and go watch it because obviously it's an utter delight in every way, shape, and form. So I'm going to quickly tell you a little bit about Frank's career. Obviously, as we mentioned, he's TV's Frank. He also was one of the main writers for MST3K, and he also was assigned to pick most of the movies that they watched, which, of course, includes our beloved Manos, The Hands of Hate. Yep. You have to always say it that way. Of course. it's wrong. He was on the show from season two to season six, which was like when a lot of the best stuff they did really Mm -hmm. was on. Um, Frank was great. He was, like you said, he played TV's Frank. One of the Mads with the Mad Scientists with with Dr. Forrester, uh, played by Trace Ballou. And they both have done a lot of things together. And so a little more about Frank's career for those that don't know. Obviously, you can go to IMDb and see his long list of accreditations. But some of our favorite is going to be Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He was a writer, producer, and actor. He also did Cinematic Titanic. He was a writer, producer on that. That was with Joel Hodgson and also with Trace, I believe, too. Yeah. And, of course, our beloved Invader Zim. And he's got a lot of different things in his career, a very storied career. He has some great books, too. Check him out. The most recent thing he's been doing, which is uh, called The Mads Are Back, they started touring around 2015, I believe, with him and uh, Trace Billy, and they were riffing a lot of different movies and stuff like that. And Pandemic Happened. And they transitioned to doing streaming shows once a month. We're going to talk about that a bit with Frank. But they've been doing those ever since, and they're an utter delight. Yep, and so I figure we give everyone, a before we get into the interview, a quick overview of Manos. The That's right. right. <laughs> um, so this movie is confusing, to say the least, but essentially the general plot is a couple and their daughter and dog are trying to find the place that they were supposed to stay. They end up going to this house that is up a road that everyone claims nothing's up that road. And of course, there is something up that road. It's our beloved, the master and Torgo. Torgo, of course, is the highlight of this entire movie. Yeah, I mean, it's quite the dynamic duo. I mean, Batman and Robin, stand aside. (laughs) But yeah, so... Torgo, it tells them, you know, then that was our quote from the beginning, the master would not approve. He tells them they can't stay, and for whatever reason, they don't listen to this creepy man that's out in the middle of nowhere it's telling like, them they can't stay. He keeps telling them to leave, and, and he's creepy as heck, so why wouldn't you leave? Yeah, and apparently, some early rites of it had him supposed to be like a satyr. Later ones didn't, but they still gave him these really, like, funny knees, and so when he walks, it kind of looks like how you'd think a satyr would walk. Yeah, but he's like really big knees. I, I don't know how they use that, like... It was a prosthetic. Make... Was it a prosthetic? hmm Yeah, they had it. him, the guy that played the master, um, Tom Neiman, helped design those, and 
apparently they were rather uncomfortable. Like, they weren't painful, but they were just awkward and uncomfortable. Which... Honestly, from, like, watching it, I thought they just took, like, a small pillow and shoved it under the pant legs or something like that. That probably would have been more comfortable. <laughs> probably. But, so they, basically, they get up there, and they end up trying to stay. The dog gets out at one point. Oh, and I guess I should say, if for some reason you don't want this movie spoiled, go watch it if you can. If, and when I say if you can, I don't mean, like, if you can find it. Because it's very easy to find. It didn't get copyrighted ever. Yeah, it's in public domain. Yes, um, totally public domain. So if you it, want to... If you tr- want to try, I'd recommend just watching the Rift Tracks or the MST3K. But basically, general plot of this movie is that they go there, dog dies, bad things happen. They see this painting of the master and his demon dog. And ends up that the master's like some kind of like not I guess I don't think he's supposed to be a deity himself, but he's supposed to like serve a it's deity. Like a vessel. Which, yeah, which is Manos, which ironically Manos is Spanish for hand, so this So it's hands, the hands of fate? Pretty much. Hmm. So they go and I guess the master's trying to get more wives, he's collecting his wives for whatever reason. But they're all just these women that are just like sitting against pillars and they're all just seem to be in some weird trance. And the master's just laying there asleep and ends up being that Torgo doesn't want them, to, the master, to have this woman as his wife because he wants to have this woman as his wife. And at that point... It's you know, just utter chaos. Yeah, so the wives fighting each other, trying to decide whether the daughter, which is Debbie, so she's little Debbie, they want to, to try to decide whether she needs to die or whether she's going to be made a wife. In the end, Torgo seems to run off into nowhere. Um, after they cut off his hand, now they have this burning hand. They're just, like, touching the stuff. So Torgo runs off into nowhere. Runs? He more waddled off. Sure. So he, he did his little awkward run off into nowhere, into the darkness. They end up that the dad now become, basically takes Torgo's place, so some other people come up there, and you see him be like, you know, I am Michael. I take care of the place when the master is away. Then you see that the master is sleeping on his little weird stone thing and all the wives are up against their little pillars and one of them is little Debbie and one's the wife from the original. So yeah. the end. Question mark. Yeah, that's right. They have the question mark and you're like, no, no, let it be the end. Let, 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 let it go. Apparently if it this. did well, the... The reason he didn't he made Torgo's fate kind of like ambiguous. ambiguous was because his idea was if it did well he could then go ahead and make a sequel with like Torgo like called like Torgo Returns or something like well, that. Well, like Manos, Torgo Strikes Back. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like what what happened at the end? Uh, the third one's going to be Return of the Torgo. I mean, I mean, I'd watch all of those. Well, I mean, we did watch. So in 2018, they made a sequel and a prequel. We watched both of them. They we got are, through both of them. Yeah, they're they're interesting. I mean, you know, if if, if you're watching Manos, it's like you're not watching this for some sort of bit of cinematic brilliance. Also, I figure we go into a quick bit of trivia. So, um, during the premiere in El Paso, Texas, there was a lot of heckling, and to the point where a lot of the cast and crew just snuck out of the theater before the film was over. Yeah, just did the Homer Simpson into the hedges. They <laughs> just got the heck out of there. They didn't want to be associated with this. Or- be seen but harold p warren stuck around yes he did so harold p warren which is the writer director producer and what played the dad right Mm -hmm. he uh stuck around and some lady at the end attacked him with her purse because she was so mad about the fact that little debbie became one of the master's wives so if it would have been made in current day there would have been like youtube video of this it would have been glorious well here's the thing i when i started reading that bit of trivia i was hoping that it was going to say that she attacked him with her purse just because the movie was so bad (laughs) because <laughs> that would have made me really happy. 
But anyway, so also for this film, no one really got paid aside from Little Debbie, who was played by Jackie Neiman Jones. She got a bicycle as payment and her dog, which was the Doberman supposed to be like the demon dog, um, got a bag of dog food and no one else was paid. This movie lost money, even though I think it had like a $19,000 budget. This cost $19,000 back in the 60s? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a significant chunk of change for for that time period. So good on you, Harold P. Warren. Yep. But hey, we have to thank him because, I mean, it resulted in one of the best riffs that MST3K ever did. Yeah. And so MST3K was so good at unearthing these kinds of obscure movies that would have just faded into complete obscurity without them and kind of gave them new life and a new audience and it's kind of cool so and the nice part is like jackie neiman jones has really embraced this so if you want to read any more of the trivia uh it's all over imdb it's really funny to read through at some point but getting to the mads are back on december 14th they will be doing a live stream of this and their guest is going to be jackie neiman jones so that'll be really fun to get to hear some q a with her and get to see more of that so Tickets are going to be on Eventbrite, and we're going to have a link to that in our show notes. Yep, they're on sale now. Go grab them. They're like $10. Worth every penny. Oh, for sure. We've watched a lot of these, and they're a really good time, really fun. I look forward to this every month. Yeah, and uh, even if you can't watch live, they um, they send you a download of the full full broadcast, so you can have that to keep, yeah, which so. is really nice. So you can go back and watch it any time. Yeah, so if you've never done this before, this is the time. Highly, highly recommend this because yep. it is going to be so much fun. I mean, every time we've watched these, we've had to kind of like, because we haven't always been able to watch them live. Yeah, if we're not like, watching it live, we've definitely paused it as we were laughing so Exactly. Hard. We're laughing so hard to the point where it's like, I can't concentrate because I'm going to miss something. We have to pause it because we're losing it. Just look at each other and just start cracking up. Yeah. So it's like these. This is just it's just pure fun. It's a good time. Definitely check it out for sure. Now, without further ado, let's get on to our interview with Mr. Frank Conniff. Enjoy. Awesome. All right. So um, it's our distinct honor to introduce our special guest here today. You know him from Mystery Science Theater, TV's Frank, Cinemax Titanic, and of course now the Mads are back. Um, we're here to talk about the upcoming riff by the Mads of the infamous Manos, the Hands of Fate on December 14th. Welcome, Frank Conniff. Thank you. For, okay. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, yeah we're glad to have you. So um, I was wondering, um, you know, Manos is one of the movies that MST3K made famous or, you know, infamous, maybe. <laughs> um, I know you were the guy who picked out a lot of the movies, the show, including this one. What was the story, how you found this thing? Um, Well, it's, you know, it's not that particularly, you know, it's not like a national treasure kind of story or anything like that. (laughs) It was just um, as my job um, uh, at Best Brains was I screened the films and then chose them to show to the rest of the writers to decide if we were going to, uh, riff them or not. So Manos was just another film that I, I saw on, on a VHS tape in a box of tapes I got from uh, HBO Downtown Productions, which was the company that did all the comedy channel programming and Comedy Central uh, programming. And um, 
So, uh, you know, it was just a tape that I saw and I saw it and I was like, wow, you know, I just, I've got to show everyone else <laughs> I'm looking at. And, uh, I remember we were, we, we watched it, uh, while we were having lunch, which was maybe not a great idea, but, <laughs> uh, it, um, you know, but everybody immediately agreed that, you know, we, we had, this was one we had to riff, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like. I know I'm sure you've been preparing for the for the new riff. When's the last time you've seen it? Uh, I haven't seen it, I don't think, uh, in its entirety since we riffed it, you know, like 30 years ago. Wow. However long ago that was. I have seen uh, scenes from it and a, a, um, a clip from it I, I did an improvised riff of at this club here in New York in Queens called QED, which uh, Chris Kirschbeck produced a show there called Movies Are Dumb, which were live improvised riffs, and I participated nice. in them times. And um, so we did just a clip of it there, but I think that's the only time I've really seen it, except for all the gifts that I see. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of them out there. You search yeah, for yeah. Meadows on Giphy, it just explodes. Yeah. yeah, like you guys really made this famous. <laughs> yeah. Which I wonder um, to an extent was that like, if it, since it became so famous because of you guys, did the people who made it, is this that kind of the reason they were able to do their Kickstarter and get the, the prequel and the sequel made? Yeah, I think they've all said that, you know, that we were the ones that, um, uh, that made it um, famous. It was, um, uh, I think it was only released in Texas, like, you know, privately by the guy who made it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a premiere and everything. I don't think it got wide distribution. And then it was just really underground for a long time. And, uh, um, you know, Mystery Science Theater uh, is, you know, that's that's one film we can say, you know, we made it, uh, we're the ones that made it famous. You know, we can't, we can't say that about any Ed Wood films or anything like that because a lot of those were notorious before, before we came along. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Manos is the one that, that um, people um, have probably heard of because of us. So yeah. it's a, a dubious distinction at best. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I mean, I, who, hasn't, who hasn't seen the Torgo Walk? I mean, come on. No, who hasn't it, tried it, the Torgo Walk? Torgo's <laughs> iconic. What can I say? Yeah. He is. He is. How did the idea of um, doing the new riff come up? Um, well, we were just, you know, um, we, for our December riff, you know, this is only our second um, year that Tracy, you and I have been doing these um, digital online shows. And last year we took an old, um, for the December show, we, you know, we, we figured we should maybe do some kind of Christmas thing. And um, last year we did Santa Claus, which we had also riffed. Um, mm-hmm. Spanish uh, Santa Claus movie, which we had riffed on Mystery Science Theater. We did a whole new riff of it for December, uh, kind of a special Christmas thing. And then, um, you know, this year we were thinking, you know, all the Christmas stuff has been done already. Riff Tracks does a lot of, has done all kinds of Christmas movies and stuff. And, and then we just decided that um, Manos, The Hands of Fate would be like a special Christmas treat to do that, you know. For sure. Um, so, so that's why, you know, 
It's it's oddly enough our Christmas movie this year. <laughs> hey, I, I'm all in favor of Torgo Claus. I think that would be pretty oh fantastic. <laughs> now I'm going to have to try to draw that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I know you mentioned other uh, Christmas movies. I know Santa Claus Conquers the Martians was one of the movies that has been riffed three times by MST3K and Rift Tracks. And um, I know I think this is going to be the second movie that's been riffed three times. Um. Uh, yeah, I probably if 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 it's like the trifecta of uh, mm-hmm. of MST and then Rift Tracks and then Trace and I, um, Santa Claus Conquers the Martian was done three times because um, we because Rift Tracks did it and then Cinematic Titanic mm-hmm. did it as well. Yeah, so Trace and Trace and I, I think Trace refuses to do that one again. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, it's in that category of, of films that have been riffed a few times. And, and I'm sure a lot of people just at home have riffed it, you know. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. I say, like, like Santa Claus Conquers the Martians is one that puts my dad into tears every single yeah. time. <laughs> well, I, you know, I saw it when I was a kid, when it was in first release, when I was like eight years old or something like that. <laughs> was, that was that traumatic? <laughs> no, you know, but it... The thing about it is, I mean, when I was that kid, I, 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 when I was that age, I think I was, I just liked anything. If it was on TV, if it was on a movie screen, I watched it, and, and that was enough for me. But I don't think I thought Santa Claus Conquers the Martians was very good because, um, because I had no, I only remembered that I saw it, but I didn't remember anything from the movie. Whereas around that time, you know, it was the same time when I was a kid when I saw Mary Poppins, you know, and I remembered mm-hmm. everything in Mary Poppins mm-hmm. for the rest of my life, you know. So I think when you forget a film, it, it means it didn't really have that much of an impact on you. Yeah, definitely. for sure. What do you think made Mando stand out from all of these other movies that you've had been able to riff? What do you um, think that really made it? Uh, I think that it's there's something just singular about its vibe and... Um, uh, it's it has that unique unique quality. It's not exactly like an Ed Wood movie, but it, it it has the same kind of Ed Wood thing, which to me is, you know, Ed Wood kind of you, kind of you see a part of his soul in his in his in his movie making. It's just so unique, and I think this movie had that same quality where um, it just. Um, had a tonality. Uh, it's not the worst film we ever did. I think I think there are worse films we did. I think The Creeping Terror was worse. I think The Dead Talk Back was worse. Um, but, um, you know, it just has its own... It just... Like Ed Wood, it feels like it was made by an individual. As bad as it is, it's like, a, it's like personal filmmaking in a weird way. And, um, and I think that's part of why... I f- like Manos and films like it stand out. Yeah, yeah I think it's part of his charm. Yeah, and that's yeah, what, yeah. We were we were talking about that that we felt like a lot of these movies that are these real low budget bad movies, like you said, like the Edward movies, even like Birdemic and stuff like that. It's like you can tell that the people who made it really cared and tried. But when yeah. you see movies that have these massive budgets, like we actually a couple of one of our first episodes we reviewed Malignant, and I was like, this movie had a huge budget and just someone should have told James Wan no. <laughs> and so he was like, I always feel like when I watch this, I'm like more annoyed because I'm like, you had all the 
stuff to be able to make this awesome and you just didn't even put it you just like made something to make money it felt like whereas all these yeah. other ones are like I think I read somewhere Manos was made on a bet like that it was like one guy bet him bet the director he couldn't do it or something like that and so they did it based on a bet <laughs> yeah I, I believe that you know and um you know I've I've said for a long time and I mean this sincerely I'm not being glib that I I like Ed Wood as a director more than I like Michael Bay you know uh, Ed Wood's movies have a real personal kind of soulful quality to them. And, you know, people like Michael Bay, their, mo their movies are so impersonal and, mm -hmm. um, and they, they, I don't get anything out of them. Whereas I do get something out of, out of an Ed Wood movie or a movie like Manos, The Hands of Fate. Yep. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. A, a movie like that will stick with me forever. Whereas a movie yeah. like a blow em up action movie is just out of my brain as soon as it's over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, even the Star Wars holiday special sticks with me forever, but probably for slightly different <laughs> reasons. But I, I've, that one is the painful one. I don't know if I can ever watch. I, I've one. never, he, apparently Dan's watched it without the, the riff tracks over it, but that was our first pretty much date ever is Dan was like, brought that over to my house and was like, here, let's watch this. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's, you know, uh, the, 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 um, the Star Wars holiday special uh, to me, the it's not to me. It's not that it's a bad Star Wars thing, although it is. But what it really is to me, it's 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 a it's a bad '70s variety show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the sensibility behind it. Uh, um, it. It was made by all like um, variety show people um, um, who normally worked on you know stuff like the Donnie and Marie show and stuff mm -hmm. like that that was big in the 70s. And actually, the 70s is what killed off the variety show genre, which was huge in television in the 50s and the 60s. Mm -hmm. um, and in the 70s, um, there was just a dearth of, uh, of, of really bad um, variety shows. I know some people like the Sonny and Cher show. I, I wasn't a fan of it. Um, the um, the Captain and Tennille show, you know, and uh, stuff like that. And that's what the Star Wars Holiday Special is really in that genre, way more than it's in the Star Wars genre, mm -hmm. you know. For um, sure. And I also feel that Lucas, from what I hear, he just wanted to sell toys that Christmas. So he, he, mm -hmm. he wanted some kind of Star Wars product out. Mm -hmm. And he didn't even uh, pay attention to it that much and um you know um it, it says to me that that lucas really didn't even though star wars was so huge even back then i don't think he knew what he had really yeah like, for sure you know. so it's yeah. fascinating in that sense yeah, yeah. It, it's quite the historical piece for sure and i know he he's been quoted as saying that if if he could he could find every bootleg of it and smash it to pieces yeah <laughs> but it's a part of his legacy and you know it's, it's it's it has a life of its own and he should just embrace it yeah for sure for sure disney has i mean they they decided to make a lego star wars yeah, holiday yeah, special I didn't see that, but i heard it was very good and it's uh, cute yeah yeah and um, yeah, it's it, it whether he like you know Mark Hamill tweets about it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it's definitely it's definitely there. Yeah. So back to Manos. Out of curiosity, have you seen either the prequel or the sequel that they made? Uh, no, I haven't. Have you seen it? 
We watched them mm-hmm. both yesterday. I actually oh, got really? through them. <laughs> They're very well, interesting. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, the people who made them, you know, I, I say God bless and oh, for sure. I wish them well, but, uh, but I don't know, like, why I need to see that, you know. I, I don't know <laughs> why I need to see a Mano sequel. And, you know, that kind of, that vibe that I was talking about of the film um, it can't be recreated. You can't be self-conscious and make a movie like Manos, The Hands of Fate. The, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, stuff, there's some stuff now like uh, like Sharknado or something like that that's, that's very self-conscious and very aware of that it's so bad, it's, it's trying to be so bad it's good, but it's mm-hmm. trying to do that, and that ruins it for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I, it's just... Um, like I said, the people who made it, I wish them well, but I, I, I'm not, that's not a particular kind of thing that I'm into. The, the funny thing, bring up Sharknado is in the, in the sequel at the very beginning, there's these kids in the car and they're talking about Sharknado and how bad it is and stuff like that. So it's like, they're, they're really, really aware of it, even referencing that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, I mean, it's, and people enjoy it and that's fine, but it's to me, like people associate Sharknado with mystery science theater is that kind of thing. And to me, it's a whole different thing from what we did. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, you know, it's not something that really interests me that much. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the movies that. you guys did, you know, it were movies that, you know, weren't going to be a parody, you know, they were trying to make well, a serious film. Any self-consciousness, um, would have disqualified us from, would have made us not do them. Um, uh, the, the movies that we did on Mystery Science Theater and the Trace and I do um, and the Mads are back are all very sincerely made movies and, and that's why uh, uh, Trace and I really like doing movies from that era from the 50s and 60s because there's an earnestness to them mm-hmm. that makes them very conducive to riffing you know mm-hmm. whereas uh, any kind of um, irony or uh, winking at the audience on the part of the filmmakers, then, then it's it's then it's not good for riffing. They're they're already, um, you know, riffing on themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so they don't need us really. You know, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think Sharknado needs a whole lot of help. <laughs> no, and you know what? It, it it they 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 figured out this audience for that kind of thing and they ran with it. They made like seven films or whatever and they had a big success with it, but it's, it's just not, and people automatic, some people automatically assume that I would be really be into Sharknado and that I would really want to riff it. And it's like the opposite of that. I have, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to riff it and I, I'm not, um, it's not something I'm enthusiastic about. Although if people enjoy it, then, then that's great. By chance, have you seen a comedy of terrors? The Vincent Price movie. Yeah, uh, yeah years years ago, but um, uh, but not not recently. Like okay. basically, when I was a kid, I saw it. Yeah, because that just when you were talking about that made me think of that. Just where it's it very much is not I think aware of itself, but it, it's very fun at the same time. So if you yeah, like yeah. in that vein, it is that and those um, those Edgar Allan Poe movies that. Roger Corman made with mm-hmm. Vincent Price are among are among Corman's best films. Oh for yeah, sure. for sure, no doubt. 
So mentioning the, the newer Manos flicks, um, Jackie Naaman Jones, who you have, of course, played Debbie in the original and that you're going to have as your special guest for Q&A on the live riff. How did uh, all of that come about in getting her involved? Well, she just, um, um, I think we just had some fans and some friends who alerted us to her. And she, she actually wrote a book about the movie and... Um, uh, and she was aware of us for sure, and she was very uh, um, she was very grateful to us for for making the film famous. And um, she's a very delightful person, and um, and we were just like kind of hooked up with her through mutual friends. And um, we had her. She lives in Portland, and we when Trace and I did a show in Portland like years ago, she was uh, there, and um, and we had. We had uh, we weren't riffing Manos, but she was there in the audience, and we had her come up and do a Q and A and stuff, and uh, you know, so she's so she's great, and of course, you know, we always have a Q and A guest for our live streams, and and of course, Jackie was the perfect guest for this episode. Oh, for sure. Oh, That's absolutely. Cool. I, did, I didn't know about her getting to come up on and do that Q and A. <laughs> was that like a surprise thing that she was doing that, or did that was that already like pre planned? What in Portland? Yeah. Um, I, no, it, it was, I think we knew she was going to be there. And, um, so, uh, so it was just a kind of spontaneous thing. Although I think Trace already, and I knew that, that since she was going to be there, you know, we always did a Q and A at the end of the show. So we were going to bring her up. But in this case, my memory is that we had technical problems with the film we were showing and we had to really vamp um, you know, for a long time before we even showed the movie. And I think we had her come up during that segment as well. Got it. Nice, nice. That had to be fun, though. <laughs> yeah. So it was lucky, lucky she was there. Mm -hmm. For sure. And we've been really enjoying the, the Mads monthly live streams. We've watched most of them. Okay. They're, a, they're such a good time. And, um, you know, was that, I know you guys were touring, you and Trace, beforehand, and then pandemic happened, unfortunately. Was it was it difficult to transition from from doing live shows to streaming shows? Because it feels like it would be quite the transition. Um, it was a transition for sure, but it was it was kind of scary before we did it because it it, it was for us it was new territory. Um, uh, Trace and I are both neither of us are particularly like tech savvy people. Trace is more tech savvy than I am, but neither of us are really, um, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff doesn't come naturally to us. And um, I think it was lucky that I was friends with Chris Gershbeck. So I, I, I just sent him an email one, like one day Trace and I were just, you know, what are we gonna do? We, we can't perform live. This is our livelihood, you know, it's our income. And, um, you know, I just said, well, do you think we could maybe do live uh, streaming shows online? And he was like, gee, I don't know. Like, we really didn't even know if we could pull it off, you know. It seemed like a very, like, big thing to pull off to us, you know. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I wrote Chris Gershbeck an email and I said, what, what do you think of it? Do you think this is possible? And he's like, oh, let me look into it. And he did. And I think we, there were a couple of ways to go about it that weren't quite right. 
Um, and then we just and then we just hit on Zoom and YouTube, and it, it just was easy. But before we did it, I was very scared. Like, and, and you know, I was always like worried about technical problems and and you know the whole thing having to uh, having to be shut down because it's not working. And you know, it, it was just very stressful. But once. Once we did that first show and it went out off without a hitch, um, then we were like, "Wow!" It was it was like such a relief, you know. It's like, "Wow, this is this could actually work." And and for for me, it's been such a blessing in the pandemic that that we were still able able to have income and mm. and and still make a living. I mean, so and it, and it really has transformed things in the sense that. Um, I would love to go back to doing live shows, and I hope we do live shows. Um, maybe it'll happen next year. I'm not. I don't. I can't say for sure, but I hope we do. But but even if we do, like we're still going to always do the the monthly streaming shows now. Yeah, well, that's, that's great. I'll say that's good because we really enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, it's like a special thing we look forward to every month. Yeah, so a it's... lot of audience, a lot of people when we were doing the live shows. Would be like, well, why don't you come to my town? I can't, I can't go and see that. That's like so far away. Although we did have people who drove long distances to come see us, mm-hmm. but um, you know, so now it like it kind of gives everybody a chance to see to see the show, you know. Um, so so it's 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 been a total blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been one of the good things I think that came out of the pandemic is like even like some of the bands we don't get to see very often that play in Europe they all did live streams and stuff like that to make some side income and we got to go basically watch bands that we rarely ever get to see so yeah yeah I mean it's um, I think the technology of it is you know not just for us but just for people doing shows on zoom and stuff you know it's 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 such a great um it's given people just in their own homes, you know, a way to, to be creative. And, mm-hmm. and that's a really great thing. For sure. Yeah, it's a great medium for sure. And it's like you guys, I feel like, are one of the pioneers, really. Well, one of the first ones who really started doing it and doing yeah. it consistently. Well, we, were luck- yeah. we were lucky in that we had something we could do riffing on movies that a lot of people already liked and that, would even pay money if we charged them a little bit of money to watch it. You know, I think that's the puzzle. A lot of people doing online stuff are trying to figure out is how to, how to make income off it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a very tricky thing. And we're, we're, we were lucky that we had this thing that lends, that lends itself well to, to a streaming show in a way that maybe stand-up comedy doesn't lend itself that mm-hmm. well because you're not in front of an, if you're not in front of an audience, um, it's it's you know it's awkward. At least I think I know a lot of my friends have been we're doing online stand-up shows uh, during the pandemic, but I, I but but that's not the kind of thing I think is ever going to really catch on. Although although I think more. I'm noticing that from a lot of live shows, a lot of music shows and comedy shows, that there's a streaming option for them now more than there ever was before. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. 
for sure. I know the uh, the Mads are no stranger to riffing shorts too. Um, you know, some right. of the shorts that you guys have done have been some of my absolute favorites. Like how to keep a job just puts me in stitches every single uh, time. <laughs> Is it difficult to find new shorts to riff, or are there just that no, many uh, no, educational they, films? They seem to um, they seem to be available, and um, you know the same thing with the movies that we do. You know, you might have thought that we would have gone, gone through everything in Mystery Science Theater that was available. And, um, and then we find these films, you know, like, um, uh, you know, the one we did just last month, The um, Voyage to the Planet of Prehistoric Women. And I'm like... That was wonderful. Yeah, Absolutely like, wonderful. How, how, did we, how did we miss that one the first time around? You know? <laughs> so there's a lot of films like that, and there's a lot of shorts... Um, out there like that. So hopefully I think it'll be a while before we go through all of them. Yeah, it's impressive to me how many of these kind of little educational films there are out there. Cause yeah, yeah, that was a whole industry in its day, you know. A lot of it out of watching Kansas. some of those in school. Like I remember of, one of A lot of it out of Kansas City, I believe, you know. Uh, the Centron and those uh, companies. Um, that made those short films. It's it's a whole subgenre of filmmaking, mm-hmm, for sure. I remember yeah. one in elementary school where it was this whole like, don't put your head under a bus, basically, and it had like a kid <laughs> reaching for a ball, and then the ball pops. And it's like that could have been your head. And it's like this is why I probably was traumatized. Like this is why kids in my generation have anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> so um. I know that you've riffed so many things. There's ever run into a movie or a short that's just like, this is just too rough that I can't do this. Well, yeah, we always had those, but, but the thing about those is they never make it past the stage of just screening it. And then you go, now nah, this, 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 I don't think really works either because it's too bad or it's too incompetently made. You can't hear anything. You can't see anything, you know, um, so, um, so, but, but, you know, people ask this, this a lot, if they ever started writing a film and then gave up in the middle of it. And that's, that's never happened. Once we commit to writing the film, then, then it'll, then it gets done one way or the other. Out of okay. curiosity, going back to Manos, if they ever were to do like an actual remake of Manos, do you know who you think would want you or who you would want to play Torgo? Um... I think um, uh, Zach Galifianakis, I think, would be like a... Oh, that'd be, that, I didn't even that think of him, but great, that yeah. would be perfect. <laughs> um, and and I've, I've known, I've known uh, Zach for years. I used to do stand-up with him in L.A. And um, it's funny because before he became really famous, um, uh, we, when we were doing Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, um, there was a riff where this guy that looked like, kind of looked like Zach Galifianakis came into the room and, and we just said, hey, Zach Galifianakis. And the audience, lo- the audience went crazy. And I told Zach about that. I said, I said they, they freaked out when we did that. They loved it. And, and like, I didn't even know that that many people knew who you were, but they, <laughs> but they did, so... He would be, he would be uh, great as Torgo, and he's a really funny guy himself. So mm-hmm. that's what he would come up with um, uh, for that role, you know. But um, 
other than that, I mean, I don't know, just Nick Cage, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could see Nick Cage as the master. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to make this happen now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know one of the most infamous images for Manos is the cloak that the master wears, of course. And the MSC3K episode, it was not hands but feet. Who came up with that idea? Oh, I don't remember who came up with the. It's hard to remember who came up with what riff or mm-hmm. what idea for what sketch. So. Uh, someone came up with it, and we all encouraged whoever that person was. <laughs> uh, that was perfect, for sure. I do, do you I think see, I see people doing wearing that costume for Halloween and stuff, and so it's awesome. I heard the director like really embraced it and would wear that to like every Halloween party he went to, and like now his son does the same thing apparently. Yeah, <laughs> I, just... I, I believe it. I totally believe it. Do you guys Will have it be making room? an appearance? Yes, the do either you guys have <laughs> that room? <laughs> Uh, not so far that I know of. <laughs> That'd be funny if like one of you had the hands and one had the feet. Oh my goodness. Uh, we, you know, we could do, you could do, they could, someone needs to make one for Chris's cats and have paws on it instead. Oh, sure. This <laughs> I think coming up with a whole product line here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, cat, catos, the paws of fate. Yeah, catos. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you so much, Frank, for taking out, uh, you know, some part of your day to, to talk to us today. You know, it's truly an honor. Um, you know, we're looking forward to the riff on the 14th. It's going to be incredible. So everyone remember December 14th, Manos, the Hands of Fate, the Mads. Tickets are on Eventbrite. Be sure to check out the Mads website, madsareback.com, uh, Facebook, facebook.com uh, forward slash the Mads are back and at the Mads are back on Twitter. Frank, anything else you would like to add to this, or um, just uh, uh, thank you? Just thank you so much for having me on the show, and um, and I hope people keep watching us, and, uh, and I hope everybody stays safe. Absolutely, and we'll link everything sure. in the show notes. And again, Frank, thank you so much. It's been such an thank honor. Thank you. I, yep. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. We'll we'll be watching on the fourteenth. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Have a happy holiday. You too. Thank you. You too, sir. See ya. Bye. All right. And that was our interview with Mr. Frank Conniff, TV's Frank. Yep. So certainly thanks again to uh, Chris Gershbeck for his help setting this up for us. And he's also the fine gentleman who uh, who runs the shows for, for the Mads are back. And thank you so much to Frank Conniff for, for taking a little bit of time to sit down and chat with us. It was our honor and our privilege. It was a dream come true to get to talk to you. So thank you so much. And a reminder again to buy tickets to see the Mads Are Back live stream on December 14th. Or if you can't watch it live, you can still get the download. That is going to be on Eventbrite. And again, we will have links to all of that, to their Facebook page, Twitter, social media. Everything's going to be in the show notes. Yep. Also, check out Chris's company, Dumb Industries. We'll have links to that, too. He puts on a lot of great shows. He also does a show with Mary Jo Pell, who was the Doctor's Forrester's replacement on MST3K. She's wonderful. Check her out and all the other wonderful shows he puts on, too. All right. And so with that, thanks for listening. Until next time, this has been We All Pod Down Here, and I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. 
email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs>